Hello, I'm Mariette Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is how I've conquered cancer seasons and a stroke. My guest is Sharona D, international keynote speaker, neuro-linguistic practitioner and author from South Africa. Welcome Sharona, I'm so pleased to have you on the show. Mariette, I'm delighted. Thank you so much for having me. To our listeners, in the course of our conversation, Sharona will give us her best tips on people experiencing cancer, those who've suffered a stroke and those with general health issues. Sharona, today we're looking at your personal story, but you're also a very engaged coach and speaker. Could you please tell us more about your work? My work is people-centric and I really focus on ongoing where I can help guide people in their purpose. And whether that's corporate with connections, especially now more than ever, people are yearning for connectivity. And in my practice, when it's one-on-one, I serve, whether it be the stay-at-home mom, I have coaches, I have doctors, surgeons, bakers, identity stylists. It doesn't matter the title. I think we all get to a space where we just yawn to grow. So I really do refer to myself as a growth crusader. And I would love to see people grow into the season that they are destined to be and always aligning with purpose. Thank you, Sharona. Now you've faced two huge life challenges, cancer and a stroke. And you and I are going to talk about how you approach them and how they've helped you grow. I think we should first talk about your cancer seasons and then about your stroke. So when and how did your journey with cancer start? It was absolutely divine intervention uh, 10 years ago exactly 10 years ago, my husband bought me a facial and I'll never forget Mariette. I was so disappointed when I saw this facial voucher because I really don't like people in my personal space. Mm. And I could just picture, you know, this um, beautician breathing on top of me. That was the vision I had of a facial and I was very mistaken. But anyway, I I eventually made the appointment to go for the facial and just a few minutes before I was about to leave for my appointment, a client phoned me and desperately needed my assistance and I was so torn. I think uh, if you're a business owner, you know business usually comes first. And I just thought, you know what, my husband's going to ask me, you know, B, have you been for your facial? And I really didn't want to say no again. So I told my client I would see them in an hour and a half, climbed in the car and actually went for this facial, but very begrudgingly. I'm not even going to mince my words. I went thinking this is not going to be a relaxing um, experience. And it actually was a life a life-saving and life-altering experience. I got there, I lay on the bed, and as she pulled my hair up, she said to me, I'm sorry, I can't work on you. You need to get to a doctor. And I was so, um, you know, I was so taken by surprise. I just said to her, what are you talking about? And she said, "I, I need you to get to a doctor as soon as possible. And I'm like, are you referring to this what looks like like little blotches of eczema and she said yes that's not eczema 
And uh, and that's really how the journey started. I, I thought, okay, she works with skin all day long. She'll know that she is an expert in her field. I did make an appointment immediately to see a dermatologist and and that was a nightmare experience. I think what could have been a really good experience was a nightmare experience. I walked in, um, he looked and uh, he just said, you've got skin cancer, you've got basal cell carcinoma and you've got it very aggressively. You've got a very large area of your forehead. I'm going to book you into hospital and we'll have to do a T incision. And Marietta, I think in that moment, it just felt like I had gone underwater and it just felt like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. What is this man speaking about? He made me sign a you know, hospital form and booked me for the very next day. I got into the car and I, I phoned my husband and I said mm-hmm. to him, listen, my lovey, you know, this, this guy just said that I've got skin cancer and he's like, no, wait, what do they want to do? And I said, they want to remove my entire forehead and replace it with skin from my hip and do reconstructive surgery. And he just said, no, we're going for a second opinion. And that's really right here where, where this, this journey and all these lessons have absolutely had a purpose. I, you know, I don't believe that cancer has a purpose. I don't believe that my stroke has had a purpose, but my lessons from that has had a huge impact on those that I can speak to. So when I say my cancer doesn't have a purpose, I mean, in that moment, it just meant, felt for me like, what honestly is this all about? But now when we look back, that's the beauty of looking back at lessons learned. I would like to hear already pause and tell any of the listeners, if you are unsure of what a specialist or physician is telling you seek second, third, fourth opinions. When I went for my second opinion, it might have been a more handsome doctor, but the diagnosis was exactly the same. However, his treatment regimen was completely different. And he just said, no way can we do reconstructive surgery. You don't need that. We are going to remove the lesions as best we could. So If we hear skin cancer, and I think really, Mariette, this is where where we need to really understand what happens when we are diagnosed with skin cancer. I did not take it seriously until I realized that I I can lose my face. And this is the journey that I've been on. I can... You can only have so many surgeries. So I went for quite a few surgeries where they were removing the lesions but it's almost like a felt fire. What you see on top of the skin is not what's going on underneath it. So whilst you're on, whilst you're in theatre, they start um, scooping out the areas. They keep sending it to the lab and they will keep doing that until the incisions are clear. So you can go in thinking that you're going to have a two centimetre cut and you can leave with a seven centimetre cut. You, you never know what you are what's going on underneath the surface. I eventually, after many surgeries, my surgeon said to me, Sharona, we can no longer do surgery. You you don't even have enough skin anymore on your on your you know on your forehead area. So I know a lot of listeners right now are thinking, but you must love the sun because why why are you having you know this huge challenge with skin cancer? If you see me, I am lily white. I don't love the sun. I have very fair skin and I 
have never loved getting hot. I've never been someone that enjoys the sun. However, at the age of 20, I went on a seven-day hike. <laughs> Mariette, I think mm. that's where the things went wrong because I don't like hiking either. However, I went with a youth tour and we all burnt blisters. We burnt it was overcast weather. And when you're hiking in between the mist of the Drakensberg, you don't realize how you're really burning. And seven days of damage was almost 15 years later. The damage of that trauma was starting to show itself on my skin. And that's why it's so strange when, when I start sharing, people tell me, but you're still going for treatment. Why don't you start of the sun? And I say, it's not what's happening now. It's what happened years ago. And one of the oncologists that I saw in the very beginning, he said to me, you know what? Skin cancer is like a felt fire. You think you're busy putting out the coals on top, but what's happened long time ago is that just starts almost the embers start burning again. And he said to me, expect to still come back quite a few times. So he was very open about the whole process. And um, I have realized, and, and this is a very generalized um, point of view and in no ways meant to inflict um, criticism to to general practitioners, but so many general practitioners, when someone comes in with something like basal cell and even squares carcinoma, they will remove it in their practice. They will burn it or, you know, remove it under local anesthetic. But what's what's really the caution here is how much are you really removing? And and with my oncologist that I currently have, Dr. Abraham, you know, she said to me straight off the bat, radiation. That is the way we, we treat skin cancer. That is her way of treating uh, skin cancer. And and that is really how the journey started. So after my surgeon said, Sharona, no more cutting, we can't cut anymore. I said, okay, then we have to do radiation. I do want to mention that I knew that radiation was inevitable and the mom the mom in me did not want my household to be impacted by my treatment. And I put it on pause. I put it on hold and continued doing the surgery whilst I still could because I didn't want to. We didn't have a hospital um, in our area doing that treatment at the time. And it would mean that I would leave home for four weeks because radiation is every day. And my boys were young. My boys, you know, 10 years ago, were six and 12. So I didn't want them to be impacted. And I think this is what so many moms, parents, caregivers do. We we want life to go on as normal for our children and our loved ones. And, and there's so much caution in that. We have to look after ourselves to be there for our loved ones. So the long and the short of it is Mariette. Um, 2012 is when I started surgeries. And 2014, I went for my first radiation. And I don't know if people understand, we always think of chemo, you lose your hair with chemo, but you also lose hair with radiation. Wherever they radiate, your hair falls out. So unfortunately for me, my areas of, um, of cancer have always been my forehead and right on the hairline. So, wow, what a what an experience losing your hair and navigating how to fold kuptuka and turbans and wigs and 
And I honestly thought, okay, this is it. We've done and dusted, but we weren't. Two years later, I had new lesions and you devastated because you know what's coming. And I think the, the big thing with radiation is you have to go every day. And here by week three, you, and I remember hanging onto my steering wheel. I just had no energy. I still continued to work every day. So I still saw clients and still continued my, my daily rhythm and routine. But I realized by end week three, I need to rest. And um, so there's a learning in that as well. My next sessions were, so I started in 2012 with surgeries. 2014 had my first radiation. 2015 had to go for radiation again. And, you know, we were, we were very overwhelmed. My family were overwhelmed with me because we thought, when does this end? And I just want to mention that the areas, the lesions never were never in the areas that I had been radiated before. I remember that felt fire. So I want the listeners to picture new areas all of a sudden that's showing lesions now again. So the lesions never came back where I had been radiated before. However, they did come back on my actual surgery scars, which was very telling. And that's why I share so openly that surgery was not successful for the removal of, of my skin cancer lesions. Um, and then I had a, a nice reprieve. My next radiation was four years later. And I've had radiation in 2019, last year, 2021, and again this year, 2022. And, you know, Mariette, yeah, I've, I've shared now the, the radiation experience, but I actually want to touch on the mental health experience here. And I think it's so important when, you know, when we navigate these health challenges, what you tell someone and how you speak to them matters. And these copy-paste um, little quotations and sayings really started impacting me and more than ever before was this year. Uh, you know, people think they're doing you a service when they say, Sharona, you're such an inspiration. Or Sharona, you've done this so many times before, you, you're just going to fly through it. But actually, no. Uh, every time... It, it is worse because you know exactly what's coming. Uh, last year's radiation, Mariette, in 2021 was to my nose. And, and still there are surgeons that prefer to do T incisions. They prefer to remove all the skin and take the skin from your hip. I sit with people when I'm at oncology who have gone through that process. And sometimes a nose flap isn't successful. Sometimes it is, but I never wanted to take that risk. I never wanted to take the risk of possibly losing my nose. And the radiation last year was very aggressive. And my nose was driving me crazy. I can, I can tell you that my nose drove me nuts. Um, we were still wearing masks during that time. So, of course, you're wearing a mask over the burnt area of your nose. I had a lot of nosebleeds, which just was the most embarrassing thing because I wouldn't know that my nose is bleeding. But, of course, the blood's all over your mask and you just see people staring at you. And I'm like, 
I'm hidden behind my mask. You know what's going on. Meanwhile, you can see, you know, this this blood stain. And only when I get home hours later, I'm like, oh my goodness, look what I look like. So, in all of that, just so much gratitude that I have for the team of specialists that have been working with me. I have an amazing oncologist, um, Smitha Abraham, which over the years has become a really good friend, and. You know, she keeps me on my toes and she she treats the way that she knows is the best for me. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, we have an oncology hospital here in Richards Bay now and a wonderful radiation machine. People come from all over the world to have treatment here. So I'm so blessed when people tell me how far do you go for treatment? I tell them as long as one song. <laughs> when I put one song on, um, by the time that song finishes, I'm already parking so, so much gratitude for that and just really try to, when I look back at the experience, think of people that don't have the luxury of, of that treatment and also very, very grateful for a wonderful medical aid. Would you like to elaborate on how this journey has influenced you spiritually? Absolutely. Uh, I am a woman of faith. I am Christ-centered. And I think all journeys are, no journey is easy. I think the most important thing to remember is that when we do navigate a journey, there are going to be uphills and downhills and times where you just need to stop and, and want to stop completely. I, The third time I was diagnosed, uh, I've gone into so many seasons. The first time I went in thinking, okay, it's going to only be this one and over. The second time I was heart sore. The second time I was very tearful. The third time I was mad. I couldn't believe that I have to go <laughs> through this again. Uh, the fourth time, it's so amazing. The fourth time is is I knew before I got the diagnosis that the season is coming. I, I felt the lesions and, and Father said to me, you will share this journey. And Marie, if you, um, if you actually go and have a look at my social Last year, I shared with with the people that follow me on social media the journey behind the scenes. I've always only showed people when I'm finished treatments. I've shared, thank you for the prayers and the support treatment is done. But they've only seen me once I've healed. They've never seen the burns. They've never seen um, the bleeds. They've, they've never seen the ugly. Because it's on my face, it's so, I used to think, so embarrassing. I I used to want to die. I used to try and hide my forehead and all the scars and all the burns. My hair changed to accommodate hide the hiding process. And here last year, I woke up and the Holy Spirit just showed me that you will show and there will be a learning from this. And it was, I think, beyond I think any, because I had no expectation, because I knew I'm just being obedient. And when we are obedient, I know that I'm protected. I know that whatever comes my way, whatever bad comments and whatever, oh, gross, that looks horrible because you think the worst, I am protected because this is, this is not from me. This is from Father who clearly wants to show that someone needs to maybe learn and also be encouraged by this process. And by completely keeping it transparent, 
in my most vulnerable of stages. I cannot tell you how many people reached out via personal messages and DMs asking and saying they have this, what should they do? Um, who can they contact? And uh, it wasn't an ugly process. It was nothing that nothing that I could have prepared for. It was so beautiful. And it was clearly at the right time where people were receptive to stepping into a place of vulnerability. And I realized how many people are fearful of going to see doctors and oncologists, etc. So there is a, a scripture that I constantly would remind myself. I have a few scriptures that have been my anchor over the years. But I think what, what really, I just felt so overwhelmed by everything. And I would think that Father's in the rain. And there's this beautiful scripture in Isaiah 6 verse 3, where it says, He will come to us like the winter rains. And just before that, as surely as the sun rises, he will appear. And I knew last year when he was so intricately involved in the process, when I think for the first time I was really obedient to him in my cancer season. And I think how many people stepped into their health season no matter the outcome. And from that, how many people have reached out and since have gone for treatment. So when I walk, it's it's crazy. Um, when I walk down the street or when I'm in the campaign trying to buy bread, I have strangers that come to me and show me spots and show me stuff on their skin and go, can you tell me what you think this is? And the wonderful thing is I can't. I can't tell you. I can. I do. I, can, I know at a glance what that is. But I can connect you to the right medical professional. And we've built an amazing team here in our town from, from um, a beauty therapist perspective that is for preventative measure to see and to check your skin. And then also straight to oncology when we when we know that they need to find um, medical assistance. So I hope that helps with your question that you've asked me. I think the most important thing is is to sometimes just look at what, if you can change one person's perspective or help one person in their health journey, then it really has been worth it. Thank you. I think you've told us a beautiful story of transformation on the spiritual level and which led to transformation and hope for others on many levels. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine if you had told me 10 years ago, Sharona, you're going to be on social media and you're going to show every little bit that you're trying to hide. I would have said to you, that is never going to happen. And now years later, I think, you know what, we are like, um, we should see ourselves in our lives as a bonfire. And all those failures and all those hurts and all those ugly things that we really never want to display to just pop it on a bonfire. And that huge, huge fire becomes a beacon of hope for others. Because sometimes these uglies are, are not the things that we speak about. Um, we choose not to show and hide them. But it's this very thing that helps connection. Remember, I said I love connection. And it's this very thing that, that make people connect to us. Uh, and then open up their hearts. And I think all of this has also made me a much better practitioner. I understand a little bit more about life and trauma and grief and healing than what I think I would have 10 years ago. 
Certainly, I think the vulnerability and the bravery which goes hand in hand with that must certainly change one's relationships. Absolutely. No, I I can be grateful for it now because I've healed. Um, if you had asked me six months ago when I was in my treatment session, I would have said, Mariette, no, please don't talk to me right now. I'm still processing. But that's the beauty of, of healing and and I'm I'm very grateful for the growth because if we I think if we feel stuck it's simply because we're not growing, and I never want to be stuck in a cancer season. I never want to be stuck in a season where I feel that I'm a victim. And now you mentioned six months ago, and you had the stroke mm. in May 2022 around that. Time. Yes, exactly around that time. It was. Um, I went to bed, uh, as I usually do. I said goodnight to my husband. I woke up and immediately realized something's very wrong. I felt this tremendous pressure and pain at the bottom of my left ear. And my husband put the cup of coffee down. And when I looked at him and I said, thank you, I thought, why do I sound so strange? And I looked at him and I said, what's going on? And he, he couldn't understand. He's like, what do you mean? And I said, but there's something very wrong. And I felt uh, I immediately I couldn't hear my speech. Mariette, this was just the weirdest thing. All I heard was like popping and slurring sounds. But my husband said he could hear my speech perfectly, just like you are hearing my speech perfectly now. And I thought, well, I think I've got an ear infection. And I thought, okay, maybe I should just drink like an antihistamine. There's probably a bit of fluid there. I do have a bit of ear history. So I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to self-diagnose. This is probably just, I don't know, there's some infection there. I, I left it for two days and I'm going to come, I'm going to circle back to this later. That was my first mistake. And I then, I went straight to my ENT, who I've known for 22 years here in Richard's Bay, Dr. Jose. And he looked and he looked and he's like, sure, Sharona, but there's no infection here. And he said, there's there's one of three things that's going on here. You've either had a stroke. And I was like, oh, it's not that. <laughs> he says, oh, mm. um, there's a tumor. I'm like, well, it's not that, <laughs> but we didn't know. And he said, oh, you've had a vi- oh, there's a viral infection at play. <clears throat> So I said, with your history of cancer that's always in your head area, I'm going to refer you straight now to your oncologist and the two of us need to get you to an MRI. And this is where I just want to, I have such appreciation for our, the medical fraternity here in, in, in this area because he saw me, I think it was at 10 o'clock that morning. At 12 o'clock, I was already having my MRI. And such appreciation for that, Mariette, because I know there's first world countries that it might take you two months before you get to see an MRI. Uh, you know, it was within one day, boom, boom, boom. And um, by three o'clock that afternoon, I received the message and my doctor said, you need to come and see me. And I was told that I had a, a vitrobrobacillar isometric stroke and I, I had no idea what that meant. I just, in my mind's eye, stroke is someone who loses the ability to speak and some of their motor functions. 
And because it's also a bit of my field of study, um, I just, I thought, well, what is happening then to the neural pathways? Because I can do everything normally, but I can't hear my speech and I've lost hearing in my left ear and I have partial hearing in my right. And then it became clear that this, this blood clot, uh, it's an, it's called a, the easy term. It's like an ear stroke. So instead of it shooting up to my brain, it shot a little to my ear. And I'm very grateful for that now. I, I wasn't grateful at the time because a stroke is a stroke. For me, I just kept asking, when will I hear my speech again? When will I hear my words? Because I still just hear this popping and slurring sound. And they had to explain to me that that, that neural pathway has been destroyed. That there is no coming back from that, what we could do possibly to see if it will minimize this um, echo and popping and slurring is to uh, disconnect my cochlea. So that there was the start of the journey. And then whilst we were navigating that MRI and the process, I went from there a week later back into radiation because there were new lesions. So I didn't have time, Marie, to really process and grieve and sit in all the emotions. And I was straight a week later back um, at oncology having radiation. So uh, it, it was it was so expedited. It, it, there was just so much happening that there wasn't enough time to process. And then when I finished my radiation, uh, it's almost like my whole world I put on pause. I I stopped seeing clients for a few weeks and I said, now I need to process and I need to figure out what's happening with my life. I need to... I need to really understand what's my next move because my purpose is to listen to people as as coach and as practitioner. And what else is it? It's to speak to people. And now the very thing is my voice. And I don't hear my voice. So how do I trust what I'm saying? And for almost a month, I spoke very little. For almost a month, I spoke very, very little. What I did do was just process. I just processed. And then I thought, okay, how much of all of these emotions is real? Because I'm mad and I'm sad and I'm in denial. I'm all of those things and I can be all of those things in one day. And I allowed myself to sit in every single emotion. I didn't, I didn't invalidate my own emotions. And then I realized, but you know what, I've got to, how do I move forward? So I'm, I've got to choose a space of neutrality now and what's my next step forward. And Mariette, I think this is what I do on a daily basis with my clients. I am so grateful that I've, I think that I've also got history in, in cognitive behavioral therapy and then to really just use it on myself and to say, Sharona, you can't be, you can't do nothing now. What, what does this look like? Do you change your, your profession? Do you tweak it? Do you reevaluate your purpose and your values? What, what do you do? 
And I took one of my favorite books and I pressed record. And on my saddest, lowest days, I would read one paragraph and I would record it on my phone and I would listen to it. And I'd hear my voice, like my old voice, like you hear my voice now. And I'm like, Sharona, that's the truth. That's the truth. Your emotions are valid, but the truth is your voice, the very people that that you serve with value and purpose is still hearing and receiving you the way that you were intended to be. And I've got to trust my, my mouth, my tongue, my muscle memory, and I've got to trust my brain. So none of that is in my control, but how I react is. And it's a daily learning process. Uh, currently, we're doing year-end functions. It's the busiest time of, and I don't like the word busy. I just said busy, but I don't like busy. It's the most productive time of the year for me, as is August when it's Women's Month, because then we speak at a lot of events. Oh, Mariette, let me tell you, the first time I heard my voice over a microphone, I almost pooped myself because it was horrendous. And I I just, I thought now I'm, I'm hearing my popping and slurring in like in full volume. But again, that's the emotion of my reality, but it's not the truth for others. And, and that has been a tremendous learning for me is sometimes our emotions are not our truth. That is very profound. Uh, I can't even begin to to integrate actually what you've just said, that what you are hearing and what others are hearing are two completely vastly different things. It's absolutely bizarre. It's absolutely crazy. And I'm going to tell you now, Mariette, I did think I'm I'm going to lose it. So I'm, I'm going to touch onto the mental health aspect of this learning now because you're hearing me. You're hearing me after the learning and and after most of the healing because I'm still in the healing process. It's not like a switch that's boom, boom, and I'm in 100% acceptance, but I'm not in 100% denial. But I firmly believe that our mental health is as important as our physical health. And very important was the same way that that I help coaches and all all these clients that I serve, I also knew that I needed help because I didn't want to stay fixed in in a healing that's only superficial that that won't serve me it won't sustain this lifetime that I'm going to be navigating. So I did a lot of self-work. And then I got to a stage where I realized, okay, but when I feel this, when this is my reality, how do I map a new neural pathway to the way that I know is going to serve me better in my future? And I know that you've actually done quite a few interviews on Brainwork Recursive Therapy, BWRT. I think I've seen quite a few of your, am I right, of your podcasts? Yes, you're right. I knew that with certain scenarios, BWRT has worked very well for me. And I go to Shelley Hall, who's a clinical psychologist, and I do believe she has also been one of your guests before. She has. Phenomenal woman. And the first time I went to her was when I realized that I'm struggling to process the trauma of the loss of my service dog. And... 
I know the listeners are thinking, what are you even talking about? But, but last year, August, no, last year, November, sorry, we had to say and part ways with Albus Malachi, who was a service dog here at my practice and a very integral part of our family. He was my shadow. So I've never been without him for the entire time that I've had him, which was five and a half years. He was a French bulldog. He was a fat little white powder puff. And he just had the ability to work with my clients so beautifully. So that's a conversation for a whole different day. But what he would do is he would pick up when there's certain um, changes in brain chemistry and he would just go to that person and do lean therapy. He would be lying very quietly and when I'm working with a client and we're getting to an area where there's change, um, a breakthrough, either a celebration or a trauma that's been exposed, he would just climb up and just do this little this little swagger and he would go and lean his little fat body against that person. So when he passed, he he passed due to a, um, a brain tumor. He passed of cancer. I was really struggling, Mariette. It was such a traumatic experience for me. And, and I've experienced previous traumas, uh, but I just knew that this is lingering too long. There's so many triggers for me in my environment. And my clients were mourning for him as well. So they would walk into the practice and then they would start crying because he's not there. So, you know, I have to keep my cool and I have to work and, and be the strong one. And some of my clients eventually said to me, can we just do online sessions for a while because they struggle coming in there and not seeing him. So it really was a bit of a ripple. And I knew that when I think of him, like when I'm able to speak of him now, we're coming to his one year passing anniversary. I want to be able to speak of him with joy with love and appreciation for what he was for me and not think of just the traumatic experience of his passing. And for that, I sought Shelley for the first time and we did BWRT and I, I could see a huge change in my reaction to triggers. So, so I knew uh, that now after my stroke and after my health challenges, when I speak of it, I want to speak of it in a state of power, of learning, and of adding value to others. Exactly what we're doing today. And not be stuck in the traumatic experience of what it did to me physically. So, yes, so I, I went to Shelley for a few sessions and, and absolutely can see, you know, the benefit of seeking professional help. So as a mental health advocate who works with people every single day. I cannot stress enough that if you, if I have a client that comes to me for coaching, life coaching, or maybe corporate executive coaching, um, I can immediately identify when they are needing more than me, Mariette. And this is not a pride thing. This is, we serve our clients, but we can see when they're stuck in areas that's more than what we can do for them at that moment in time in their season. And then it's wonderful that we have these other resources. And for me, the, the BWRT has been hugely beneficial. And I can also identify one or two of my clients when I've also referred them because I can see that talk therapy is not going to be the solution. 
Um, so yes, so do you see how it all just pans out and how we become really a tapestry of of I don't I don't want to say experts in our field, but how we become a tapestry of voices and hearts that take hands together and serve our clients in all areas of what they're needing in their season. I can see that and I can hear that from what you say. And I think what I really respect is that you both allow your emotions, but that you also take the step back and get a bigger view of what is going on and what you would like to go on, where you would like to head. Absolutely. You know, that's perspective. That's perspective right there. And I, I think there's not a day that goes by that I don't say this. When people see me, uh, that always joke about this. Uh, every day I say perspective will be your passport or your prison. And when you get to that stage where you can choose this thing that happened, this experience or this reality that I'm in, it's either going to keep me stuck, it's going to put me in what it feels like a prison. And that's usually when people come to me, Mariette, as, as a coach, I usually get people when they're in that stage of their perspective seasons, when they feel imprisoned. It could be moms that feel they no longer have value when their children leave or that they're just a mom. It could be someone, um, you know, if I just look at some of the surgeons that are clients of mine, they also get stuck. They also sometimes feel that their reality is a prison. How do we then change our perspective for it to be our passport? What's our next step of going forward? And sometimes visualization alone and, uh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy alone will work. It depends on that client. And, I think if we really tap into the hearts of the people we serve, we make sure that they leave feeling that they have grown into the next season. So Mariette, for me, there's three seasons in life, three seasons in the clients that sit in front of me. You're either uh, in your seed season, you're either a sapling or you're a shade provider. So I've had clients come to me where they want to start a new venture or where they want to start something new in their life, then that's a seed. And we know that when a seed is in the soil, Mariette, it's dark. It's really not a nice place. It's very isolated. You feel alone. And then you get a little bit of water and you grow and you're like, yay, this new season of my life is brilliant. But then the compost comes. And Mariette, what is compost if not just very fancy poop? You know, when mm. that compost comes, it's never a nice process, but it is doing the purpose. It is helping us grow. And then just when we think we've made it, we need to take all our energy and break through the surface. And that whole process is trusting, trusting that when I break through this dark place, what I envisage for myself out there is actually my reality. And then we, we start learning how to anchor ourselves in our values, in our vision, which drives our purpose. And that's sapling. And that's when people start growing into the person they would like to be. And then we all want to be shade providers. We all want to tap back into community, serve and use our lessons, use our growth to help and serve others. And just when you think you've made it as a shade provider, you can all of a sudden realize, but you know what, I'm destined for more. 
I have something else that I want to do. And foop, foop, before you know it, there you're back in seed and you're needing new, new opportunities to grow again. So we're constantly learning and growing. I speak to you today because of health challenges, but, but at the end of the day, um, that shaped and formed me in my belief system and in relationships and connections with others. So whether it is a loss, um, you know, whether it's losing Albus Malachi and really struggling with that process, which is real because trauma is a very real thing. Um, I've also lost my dad. My dad was brutally tortured and murdered, and that was a very real thing. He became a statistic of a farm murder. And all of those things, they're hard. It's hard. It's hard, hard, hard. And the growing to to move forward from that will look different to each and every one of us. But I know, one thing I know is that you cannot do it alone. And, and when you are, uh, I don't want to say you're setting yourself up for failure because we all navigate growth at our own terms. But if you are at the stage where you feel my trauma is just weighing too heavy or my growth isn't happening, that's when you need to reach out to to people that can help you grow into that next movement of your season. Thank you, Sharona. And if people would like to reach out to you, where could they find more information on your work? I do have a website. It's sharonad.com. And I'm also on Insta, Sharona D. And uh, prefer those two platforms. They can also find me on LinkedIn, Sharona Danhauser. Thank you. And I will link, sorry, I will attach the link to your website to this podcast. Thank you so much. Would you quickly like to tell us about the book you wrote called I'm a Purposepreneur? Yes, my goodness. You know, that was a few years ago. And how it was birthed was when people met me, depending on the environment they've met me, um, some people would meet me and they would say, oh, are you the speaker? Depending on if they've seen me on stage at one of the events. Or I'd have another person say, oh, are you the marketing lady? I've had quite a few hats on throughout the years, but in 2000, I started my company called Dimension Training. And the whole story of how that started was very untraditional, Mariette. It was a young girl that left school, um, matriculated at the age of 17. I wanted to study journalism at Rhodes. That was my picture. And in my head, I thought I'm going to be like Jackie Onassis with my little pen and, you know, travel the world <laughs> and, and be a journalist. And my dad said no. He will not pay for my studies if I'm going to study journalism. It's just very, very unsafe. And the vision I have of journalism is not the reality. And I didn't know what to do. So I thought, well, then I need to figure life out. I'm not sure what to study. I was academically very strong, but I just didn't know what, what comes after journalism. And my path to purpose started. I went and filled in a CV what an experience if you have just matriculated, all you're going to have is a blank page staring back at you because you've only got your name, your surname and your educational qualifications of school. And a few days later, a lady phoned me and said, Sharona, can you come for an interview? I said, absolutely. But I was so green, so young, didn't ask many questions, went for the interview 
and loved, loved, loved going for the interview. It was at a sawmill in Hraskuk in Mopumalanga. And we did a tour. I thought that I'm going to, I thought I'm being interviewed for being like a teagle or opening the post or, you know, being the local run around because I have no experience, <laughs> Mariette. You know, I'm 17. I have absolutely no experience. And I fell in love with the smell of that sawmill. And as we were walking, I, I was asking a lot of questions. And this gentleman that was taking me for the interview said, do you want me to show you the accommodation, the staff accommodation? I said, absolutely. And as we were walking, I saw this massive waterfall. It's actually the Blader waterfall. And the staff housing, you can see the waterfall from the, the housing. And it was just this most amazing home nestled in the mountains. And I fell in love with it. And I said, oh, this is beautiful. But in my heart, I knew there's no way that I'm going to get this position because I, I really have nothing to offer. And a few days later, I got the call that I can start. And I asked the employment agent, I said, listen, what, what is the position? She killed herself laughing. And she said, Sharona, you're going to be the PA to the mill manager. And I'm like, the what? And, and she said, the personal assistant to the mill manager. And I said, who's the mill manager? And she said, well, the gentleman that was interviewing you. And I, I want you to die. And the process started of me moving in to my own home. I had a fridge and a microwave in a box with no plug when we bought appliances years ago. It didn't even come with plugs. I needed to ask the next door neighbor to ask me so that I could just make a slice of toast. The only oven that was there was coal stove, so I had to learn to make a fire. And my journey to discovery started at a very young age. I fell in love with my work, but within a month, I was asked to, to do something on Excel. And this manager gave me his laptop and he said, if you can please do the charts for me over the weekend, I need it for Monday's meeting. Mariette, I accidentally closed the toolbar. I lost all the icons. There weren't any cell phones during those days. There was no Google. And mm. all I thought is, Afi, I'm going to be fired. This is it. I'm going to be fired. I went to him on Monday with big red eyes and I said, sorry, sir, I lost all your pictures. And he looked at me and he's like, what are you talking about? I said, I lost all my all the pictures. I showed him and he said, you know what? You're a very smart girl. You're going to figure this out. And that's where the journey started. He gave me this big black textbook that said Microsoft Office. And I started studying Microsoft. I started, I became the first Microsoft master instructor in South Africa and started showing people how to do things the quickest, most effective way. And that's when, yeah, when things just changed from there, I started my own training center and then realized this is where the coaching came in. People would be so excited about the skill. Mariette, they would love, love, love the skill, but I could see that they were still stuck. I could see that they still had all those belief systems that shows them, but if I leave here, I can't do it on my own or I would meet people that don't have confidence to speak in public. And that's really how the journey started. And that's when I realized, okay, I need to study psychology because <laughs> I need to figure more of what's going on in the background here. And I just really took a book because I was so tired of having to explain how I got to do what I'm doing that I put it in a book form. And, and that's where I'm a purpose premier. And just the journey of how I keep anchoring myself to my purpose to ensure that I am aligned, that I keep doing and changing and evolving to help people grow and discover their purpose. Oh, it's delightful <laughs> listening to you. Is the book on your website? 
They can purchase it from the website. It's also at most retailers like exclusive books and bargain books. But if they are not able to get it, they're welcome to um, just to pop me an email and we can see how to get it to them. It is also available on digital format. Thank you. Can I ask you your fun question? Yes, absolutely. Now, Sharona, you always speak from the heart. My question is, if in an ideal world you could paint a beautiful picture of a heart, which colours would you use? Yellow. <laughs> Absolutely yellow, because I believe that um, everything flows from the heart and you need to guard your heart, but joy comes from the heart. And when I think of joy, it's also my, my branding colour is yellow is um, 100% yellow is the most inviting. So we want to invite people into our heart, into our lives. And I think it wouldn't be the pink and the red. I think I, I associate that with biology. For me, it would be yellow and little lovely indentations because all our, our hearts have all been battered and bruised a little bit. It wouldn't be a perfect a perfect heart. It would have little highlights of white because that white is light and it's the light that comes from all these little dings and dongs that I think highlights who and what we are and what flows from our hearts. I can absolutely see it. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Sharona, for providing what I think you best summed up as perspective. And even though you say you don't always feel inspirational, uh, not every day, to me, this was a really inspiring interview. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. Thank you very much, Mariette. To our listeners, it was good of you to join us. If you found this episode helpful, Please share it with someone you care about. I'd really appreciate it if you'd subscribe to Calm, Clear and Helpful and if you'd rate the show. Visit my website www.mariehetsneiman.co.za for this episode's show notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on love relationships, parenting, life's challenges, and emotional health. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, Journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted, and edited by me, and the music is by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.